ห่วงครับนะโมทัสสะบะโกวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะบะโกวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะบะโกวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะปุตตังดังมังสังกัมนัมมาสามิ Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Today is the 6th of March, 2023. It's the anniversary of the day that the Buddha taught the important essence or core, the heart teaching of the Buddha Sasana, the Buddha's dispensation at Wiluwana Monastery. So this important day that we call Maga Puja. It's the fifteenth day of the third lunar month. In some years, due to changes in the lunar calendar, it's moved forward one month to be the fifteenth day of the fourth lunar month. Whatever the case, this important day of Maga Puja is composed of four aspects that we know about. It's the Bhikkhu Sangha. Monks that have practiced and listened to the Dhamma of the Buddha, and attained to arahantship, to full awakening. And most most of them were the retinue of three brothers: Uruvela Kasapa, Kaya Kasapa, and Nati Kasapa. So they had a retinue of one thousand between the three of them, and plus them, it was one thousand and three monks. In addition, there were other monks that the Buddha also ordained himself that were also arahants, for a total of 1,250 arahant monks, and they gathered together with no prior appointment. Then the Buddha gave the Padimoka, the Patisudi Uposatha, the Uposatha Padimoka that's pure. All these conditions were ready. And the Buddha taught this important teaching that happens just once in the Buddha's dispensation. In the Pali language, it's Sabha Papasa Akaranang Kusala Supasam Pada Sacitta Pariyoda Panang Etang Buddhana Sasanang. So this is the heart teaching of the Buddha Sasana. And we understand that for our physical bodies, the heart is an important organ. It's an organ that we use all the time, 24 hours a day. And if the heart stops, then all the things in this world lose their meaning, lose their value. All the things that we are, all the things that we have, they all disappear. So we see that the body is here by virtue of just this in and out breathing. Just this little bit, and the heart organ is very important. Just like these teachings are important, the teaching to abandon that which is unwholesome, to cultivate the wholesome, to purify the mind. And every day we have many people in the world, but particularly on this day, many Buddhists come to do merit. To do acts of goodness, Venerable Ajahn Chah taught that those there's many people that seek out merit, but they don't seek the abandonment of unwholesomeness. 
So this merit, something we should do, like we have forest cloth ceremonies, katina ceremonies, and these are things that we gather together, organize, and celebrate. But then on these days, people often drink a lot of alcohol, and they engage in drunken behavior even more than usual on these days. So this abandonment of unwholesomeness, it's that first step that we do in the beginning. So all of us have been doing this all year long. And we see that the quality of stinginess is a type of unwholesomeness. <clears throat> this material wealth that we get, it's difficult to get. In order to gain material wealth, we have to learn in school, study. We have to grow up, mature, learn how to do a job. And we have to use a lot of patient endurance in order to get material wealth. So this material wealth, once we've gained it, then we think to use that wealth for something even more useful, even more beneficial, which is the doing of merit and goodness helping those that are less fortunate than us, helping the poor according to our strength and energy. We do different types of merit, like building roads, helping with electric costs and water costs, digging water ponds, building the buildings of Buddhism. And this is so that those who are suffering are able to receive ease inconvenience, like building a road, for example. And some intelligent individuals give uh, money for the cost of electricity, because we see that at night the streetlights light up the area in the monastery, and all different monasteries. And if there's no electricity, this is dangerous for the lives of the humans there because the people there might step on a dangerous animal, like a snake, which can be deadly. So we do this merit and giving, and we do it to the same degree that we feel stinginess. So we abandon unwholesomeness, we abandon stinginess, and we see where does demerit, where does unwholesomeness arise. It arises through body, speech, or mind. So in terms of behavior of body and speech, we practice the five precepts, the eight precepts. And once our virtue, and we practice virtue until it's complete and full, until our giving is complete and full, our virtue is complete and full, then we listen to Dhamma, which is even more merit. This is the doing of merit. And the Buddha taught to abandon unwholesomeness. And we practice and we strive in this way. And we practice not to hurt with speech, not to speak harshly, not to injure through speech. And we see that people in the modern day do a lot of hurtful speech. They can destroy each other, hurt each other, and harm each other with speech. And that's even easier to do today than it was in the past. Because in the past, people had to physically meet in order to speak with one another, in order to say bad things or criticize. But nowadays, with the social media, 
people can criticize each other and speak harshly very easily. This is demerit. This is unwholesome behavior. This is a lot of harm. People engage in a lot of harm and a lot of lying as well. And stealing is also easier than before. In the past, one would have to climb through a window or break through a door to steal. But now, in the modern day, people can steal a lot. So this is hurting with the bodily or verbal behavior, which goes against the teachings of the Buddha. So the Buddha taught the monks. The monks said it all, gathered there at that place. They were all fully enlightened already. They had finished their work, finished their duty. Their minds were pure. But the Buddha gave this teaching for the benefit of future generations, for future bhikkhus and bhikkhunis and laymen and laywomen, for them to practice and follow that. So we practice to do merit to its fullness and completion, to do skillfulness, to do goodness. And the merit that's the best, that's the highest, is the merit of mental cultivation of bhavana, to bring the mind to collectedness and samadhi. This is the best or highest merit. It's a great amount of merit. So we do this, we come to the monastery, sit in meditation, listen to the Dhamma, watch the breath go in and out. This is the way to make the mind peaceful. We recollect the Buddha, the Buddha that has such great compassion, vast and limitless compassion, where we can't find the end to it. It's Apamano Bhutto, the Buddha is without limit. So we recollect the qualities of the Buddha, and this gives rise to rapture in the mind, this fullness and happiness of heart. And we have this firm belief that the fully self-awakened Buddha has a pure mind, that he realized arahantship for certain. So this is belief. And we have this belief that's arisen in our minds already, but do we see it? We don't yet see it. But our belief is firm and unwavering, or unwavering to a degree. Because some people do change their belief, this does happen. But those with merit and parami that have been built in the past, they have this firm quality to their belief, to the point where even if they have greed, aversion, or delusion, they still have this belief that the Buddha has this purity this perfect purity. So they have this belief, and it's the belief like a child. But then we practice to follow this belief, to practice in order to give rise to true wisdom. And we see that sometimes even if we just have a little bit of greed or a little aversion, a little delusion arise, that we can't abandon it. But the Buddha was able to abandon all the greed, aversion, and delusion. He was able to abandon it, which is difficult to do. He was married to Princess Yasodhara, who was very beautiful, had a great amount of spiritual virtue, parami. 
and he had a little child that had just been born, Rahula, his son. And his name Rahula means a tie around the heart of the Buddha. But the Buddha had this firmly established mind. We see when the Buddha was just seven years old, he already realized the first jhana, according to the history of the Buddha, the Buddha story. And the Buddha didn't just sit samadhi, sit meditation just once, but it's something he did all the time all the way up until he was 29 years old. So we see that the Buddha had a very high level of samadhi when he was still a bodhisattva. His mind was very still. And so when his mind had that feeling of clinging arise with regards to Rahula, his son, the Buddha saw this as something heavy because the Buddha had wisdom so when a thought arises, or a mental object arises, even just a small object, or a little bit, it felt very heavy. And this is how it is for one with jhana. It feels very heavy. So we, you see that this is something that makes the mind heavy, and therefore the Buddha gave it up, sacrificed, went to seek something beyond the world. So we should think that this is something difficult, something not easy at all. If we haven't, or if the Buddha hadn't cultivated parami, practiced sacrificing and giving, and brought his parami to fullness, this is something the Buddha did in the past to bring his parami to firmness and fullness as a bodhisattva in past lives. He sacrificed and gave up things that he loved, like in the lifetime where he gave up his wife and children. We see that the Buddha had great wisdom as well. So we have this belief in the wisdom of the Buddha, the qualities of the Buddha, the purity of the Buddha, the great loving kindness of the Buddha that he built to an incredibly high degree. And he gave and sacrificed life after life, being born and dying, born and dying, in the cycle of samsara, the cycle of birth and death. And we should think that in this life, we sacrifice and give for our families something that we can do. And if we try to give or sacrifice for people that we don't know, this is difficult. Do we see that? But the Buddha gave and sacrificed for all humanity, all devas, all brahmas, for all beings, for all beings that suffer. And so the Buddha had this quality of being very firmly established in his mind. This is the great limitless compassion of the Buddha that no one else can compare to. It has no limit, it's vast. So we recollect these qualities of the Buddha, these three types of qualities. And doing this can bring our mind to peace and collectedness, firmly establish samadhi. And we can meditate boot on the in-breath and do on the out-breath to bring the mind to stillness. Then rapture and fullness of heart can arise, the hairs can stand on end, the body can feel very large, we feel fullness, feel coolness in the heart, the hands and feet can vanish, 
the body feels light, very much at ease. And so usually we have the feeling all over the body that it's ours. When the body's sick, we feel that it's heavy, that it has a lot of weight. And when the body gains weight, we feel that it's even heavier when we try to move it around. But then when the mind is in samadhi, and peaceful and still, the feeling of different parts of the body can vanish. The mind is still and peaceful, or we feel that we don't have a body at all. The mind feels very light, and spacious, and bright. This is the arising of samadhi that's able to suppress the kilesas, the defilements. We can feel that we don't have a body. So we have rapture, the hairs stand on end, we have shivers and chills all over. We have tears flowing from the eyes, we feel deeply touched in our hearts. So this is samadhi, this is sukha, this is rapture. So we should understand that this is rapture arising from the mind in samadhi. And there's also the happiness that arises from gaining praise, getting pleasure, having gain, getting a position. But these are lokadhamas, worldly dhammas. Because then there's also pain and loss, and blame, and disrepute. But this kind of rapture from samadhi, it's a rapture arising from goodness, from merit that we've done in the past, from karma that we've done. It's an immaterial dhamma. So we have this happiness arise in the mind. And the Buddha had taught already the benefits of giving and virtue and meditation that we receive this kind of happiness. So therefore we have the faith to keep practicing, to seek the truth according to the Buddha's teachings. And then when the mind is full and ready, then we have this quality of peace and samadhi as a core principle. And we do generosity of all types according to our ability. And we care for our virtue and samadhi and mindfulness we try to cultivate and increase. And we see that that which ties our hearts to the world is being lost in the pleasures of the world. Being lost in the pleasures of the world is what ties our hearts down and fetters our hearts. So one with wisdom will practice and work in the world at the same time to study or do one's work and meditate and do bhavana simultaneously. This is food for the heart. So one studies and learns, has mindfulness and wisdom and the seeking of material wealth in order to live in the world. But we see that that material wealth doesn't give very much fullness to the mind. And whatever we cling to, whatever thing that we have clinging for, and suffering arises right there. If we have a lot, we gain a lot, then suffering arises again because the cause for suffering is still there. So then when we meditate, do bhavana, then this happiness arises from samadhi, 
This is merit arising. And so we do merit to its completeness. We do it a lot, just like all of you have done already. So this is dana, sila, and bhavana that you've done all year long already. This is something you can be very proud of. Because in the beginning we're born, we're born with these human bodies. That's something very good to have this human body, something important. But sometimes the body is human, but the mind is not yet human. This is something very unfortunate. Because this human body is something very good that we've received already. So if one has mindfulness and wisdom, then one will cultivate the mind to be born again with the five precepts, in which case one is a complete human, a full human. Just like the Buddha, the first was born as Prince Siddhartha, but he wasn't yet the fully self-awakened Buddha. Later, the Buddha awakened under the Bodhi tree on the 15th day of the sixth lunar month to become the fully self-awakened Buddha. So for ourselves, we've been born as humans in our bodies, but not yet in our minds. And when the mind is not yet human, then the body is lost as well. But having been born as humans already, then we're born in the mind. We're born today, this whole past year, with the five precepts, or the eight precepts. This makes us a full or complete human, and we receive merit as well. And we practice to abandon unwholesomeness, to do the wholesome, to purify the mind, such as walking around the chedi 108 times. Sometimes this walking is difficult to do. Our body might be old, our body is changed, this is called the body leaving and not coming back. The body's left and doesn't return. This means that the body's degrading, falling apart. So some things go and they don't return. They don't return to strength. Just like when one was a child, one could run here and there, even run up a mountain. And some children might see an old person and not understand, might even make fun of them, or they, just, they don't understand. But when they themselves become old, then they understand, oh, aging is like this, then they know. Before they saw an old, they saw an old person, but they didn't really see. It's like one knows, but one doesn't see clearly. So then when one starts to age oneself, then one starts to know. And one starts to know the measure of one's body in terms of what it can do for walking and sitting. So we practice and cultivate the mind to give birth to a complete human, a full human. Then the mind gradually changes a little bit at a time the face becomes bright and smiling, the heart's joyful. This is a human deva, a human angel. And this human deva 
is ready to listen to the Dhamma and sees the value of training the mind in peacefulness and samadhi. Because this is a mind that sees the drawback in the agitated mind, the mind that thinks without ceasing. Because these thoughts in our minds, in truth the mind is covered over with ignorance and proliferation, this ignorance that gives rise to conditioned formations and the mind proliferates, becomes agitated and troubled. So therefore we have to train the mind, we have to practice. Just like we go home, before we sleep we can chant and meditate. We can do an abbreviated version of the evening chanting and sit meditation, close our eyes and watch the breath go in and out. And we can see and observe what's the mind agitated about. Because all day long we receive these moods and sense impressions. And all of these sense impressions and moods, they're all about the self. And so when we get the opportunity, we train the mind to become pure, to become bright. Because the mind that doesn't have samadhi can't realize purity. The mind without samadhi is covered over under the influence of ignorance. So we come to train and practice to bring the mind to wisdom in order to see according to the truth, at least sometimes. Because the mind in samadhi is able to see, to see impermanence, suffering and not self, to give rise to wisdom to give rise to purity, the pure mind. And so this is something that we're able to do. And we have this goal already. We need this goal of Nibbana. It's the goal of all of us. And so therefore we don't hurt or harm anyone by actions of body or speech. And sometimes we seek out quiet and secluded places for ourselves to give ourselves the opportunity to practice and train the mind. So today is Magha Puja Day. The yearly anniversary has come around again. And since the Buddha taught the Awada Parimoka on Magha Puja Day, that was 2,611 years ago. And it's been 2,566 years since the Parinibbana of the Buddha. So we practice the Dhamma, we're able to see the Dhamma, and we're able to see the Buddha in our minds again. So may all of you set your hearts on this. May you all have happiness, prosperity, and well-being. <laughs>